Yo, what is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Marshall, live, and I am live. You guys, it is another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show, and I have an awesome, awesome guest on today. I'm bringing on an author of Recklessly Alive, What Suicide Taught Me About God and Living Life to the Fullest, and founder and speaker of Recklessly Alive, a suicide prevention organization, Sam Eaton. And we're going to join him here on this podcast in one second. But before I get into that, I do just want to give you guys a short reminder. If you're watching and listening to this show, first off, thank you so much. There's a gajillion other things that you could be doing, but you're here spending your time with me and my guests. And I want to remind you why this is so important that we do this, why I made the Marshall Gillen show. If you've been with me before, then you know the story. But if this is your first time, then I want you to understand that, yes, these stories are my stories, but it's not a story about me. This story is always a story about you. And what my job and what I have been called on this earth to do is to bring more development to those who want it. And so I've literally dedicated my life to going out and finding people who are living their purpose, who are living their calling, and who are not only living it, but making a big impact doing it. Because it wasn't that long ago, Gillen Gang, that I myself wanted to be bigger. I wanted to make a bigger impact. I wanted to have more freedom. I wanted to have more confidence. I wanted to make more money and I wanted to help more people. And if I had only known some of the stories that we get to share here on the Marshall Gillen Show, if I had only known those stories back then, it probably would have given me the permission that I needed to get started earlier in my life. And who knows, maybe the stuff that we're sharing on today's show is something that you need to be reminded of or hear. So do me a favor, be a friend, tell a friend. I'm gonna bring Sam Eaton on right now. I'm very, very excited about this because you guys know that for the last six, seven years, I have been dedicated, I guess seven years now. And Sam, if you are on right now, brother, go ahead and do me a favor, request live access to come on. I don't see you yet. I'm on my phone. It's straight up and down. Oh yeah, here he comes on. Let's do this. You guys know how passionate I've been about attempted suicide and what I've done to bring awareness to the to the, the situation, but uh, I'm super excited to have expert Sam on. Hey bro, what's going on, man? What's going on, Marshall? Dude, it's so it's such an honor to have you here, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's been some time since we linked up, so uh, it's, I'm grateful. Where you, tell the viewers uh, where you're uh, tuned in from today. Where are you coming from? Cheers, my pleasure. I'm in the tropical climate of Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a balmy 29 degrees and snowing today in April. Okay. It's, not, it's not great, but yeah. here we are. Dude, I'm in Montana, uh, you, you know, and um, it's same thing. It was like 60 degrees for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden I woke up to six inches of snow and it was, it's been like 20 degrees since. And that was like a week ago. So it's interesting, man. Absolutely. Beautiful place to be some of the year. <laughs> 100%. Well, you know, I mean, I keep telling people in my, uh, Montana's at capacity. So uh, you can come visit, but trust me, you won't like it here. I'm pretty sure. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk about this today, Sam, because uh, something that brought us together many years ago was just kind of the same focus that we had. It kind of brought us into our each other's realm. And it was this, this, uh, this mission of suicide prevention, suicide awareness, which right now in 2022, at the according to this podcast, has come become less taboo and less cliche. But when you started out, when you first hit the circuit speaking, when you first wrote your book, even a couple of years ago, it was a lot different even then. So share with the viewers real quick, just tell us a little bit about, not the story yet, because I want to get into that, but what has the journey been like over the last couple of years as you've made it your mission to bring awareness to suicide? Oh, absolutely. So I've been a public school teacher for the last 12 years. I attempted when I was 23, a long time ago, 10 years ago, and 
Uh, about four or five years after that, in the school district where I teach, we lost three students, a teacher and a principal who all took their own life. And I watched my community have no idea what to do or what to say. And basically nothing changed. Basically, no, we didn't talk about it. We didn't really implement any changes publicly. And each one was just like a little tug on my chest to do something. Like I had no idea what it would be, um, how I, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I can possibly do to help, but I, I have a story around that. I have a story that I haven't ever told anyone really. I'd only told two people at that point. And so it was a ton of baby steps of just like, I'm going to post a blog post about right. it. I'm going to post one thing on social media. I'm going to start writing a book. Like it took years and years of yeah. work myself to get there. Yeah. Um, but when I started, I mean, we just released a video. Like that was one of the first big things I did. We put a three minute video out of my story. It's beautiful videographer, everything. And we had, we had a parent call my boss and say, he's mentally unstable. He shouldn't be in the classroom. Oh, wow. Um, my boss was like, you know, maybe you should put your social media on private, not put these things out. And I was like, uh, nope, like I'm going to put it out. Like we, we can't not talk about this stuff. And truthfully, like for me, that was one of the biggest moments because the stigma of what that man, if he is afraid of a teacher yes. just openly talking about something from eight, 10 years ago, his, his sphere of influence of his kids, his coworkers, the stigma that he's putting out there, I was like, oof, okay, this is more reason to just go for it. Dude, let's go, man. I mean, like, if you guys don't follow Sam as it is already, you can follow him on all social media channels at Recklessly Alive. But you, the listener and the viewer, you can already see why Sam is so popular. Dude, like you, you create this feeling inside of me when you talk about this, that just like, I feel like I'm at church, bro. I just want to be like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm, and I'm being serious. I know a lot of our viewers can relate to this because they're either parents, uh, they're in small town communities that are dealing with this thing. And it is one of those things that forever has just been kind of swept under the rug. It's one of those things that we just don't talk about. And so again, we're going to get into your story in a second, but Tell me a little bit about that process then, because what you and I know now, Sam, what we didn't know then is that you don't know what you don't know. And so was the, where was the first context that you may be able to use a story to go help somebody? Like when, when, when you first go like, oh, I have a story, like where did that come from? Were you watching somebody, following somebody? Did somebody tell you or did literally God just put it in your heart one day and you're like, I got to start speaking? Like how did that seed become to what it is today? Uh, well, speaking was never on my plan. Like I'm a pretty quiet, introverted person. So like now I stand up in stages in front of thousands and I'm like, how did we get here? Right, um, right. I, honestly, like a couple things. So like Brene Brown's work around vulnerability mm. and just being your entire self. That was a huge, she's got a book, Daring Greatly. That was a huge moment where it was like truly like her whole, whole thing. You got to share your whole story with your whole heart. And this I, I had never done that in my entire life because I'd never shared that piece of it. Um, it started really small. Like I just spoke at a couple of youth groups. I spoke at a couple at-risk teen centers. Um, I wrote my story. I worked on my book behind the scenes for honestly a couple of years, just processing it and the therapy and the courage it takes to work through all of that yes. mess um, was a huge part of it. And then to be honest, just a willingness. Um, yeah, and the desire. I never felt... I never felt ready, to be honest. I never was like, okay, I'm, it's time. I'm ready. I've got a Lululemon shirt. I'm going to start speaking. It was like uh, somebody asked. And so I said, yes. And then somebody else asked. And so I said, yes. 
Yes. And I did a ton of legwork behind the scenes, like didn't make money on it for a long time. Um, I just had a willingness and a drive that I was like, I'm just going to help people. You know, that's it. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to try to help people. I'm going to rest when I'm tired, but uh, I'm going to do something about it. Let's go. And you just took action. And now here you are. You said that first inkling started right around 10 years ago. You're 23 uh, for the viewers who are just tuning in and you had lost students. You'd lost a principal teacher at your school. And it became to the point where you're like, what are we doing about this? Now, quick sidebar to any listeners or viewers and Sam, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was in church the other day, uh, I guess yesterday at the time of this recording and it, my church is amazing. They give and they build and like, they are just, I know everybody's church is the best church, but this church does an excellent job from a branding and marketing standpoint and how they're actually able to use social media to make an impact. That's what I mean by say like they're, they're doing well in that regard. So here I am and I'm like, we do the giving part every at the beginning of every service. But something that, that bothered me yesterday, and, and of course it was an excellent lesson in uh, letting go and the non-attachment, non-judgment, things like this. But usually it's like, well, we'll ask the sponsor, a student, you know, of the church or, or what can we give back to the church to further, you know, our, the mission. But yesterday they, they made a video about giving to Ukraine and sending water and food and medical supplies to all these people in Ukraine, which is like, yes, like I'm not a, I'm not against helping people, but it, it upset me a little bit because I'm like, bro, there's people right here in Kalispell that are hungry and thirsty. There's people right here in Kalispell, like in my little, in our town, like, like, come on church. Like I know what you're, I, I get it. And we should spread it all. And, but where can we start right now locally in our community? And the reason I bring that up is because I think so many of us overlook the impact that we can make. There's so many people that are struggling with mental illness, uh, the thoughts of suicide, kids, children. And it's like, okay, cool. It's cool to make the social media post. It's cool to ask for money to Ukraine, although I don't really know where that money goes to. And I'm not against that. All I'm saying is we can make such a bigger impact by just getting started right in our community. And so Sam, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Is, is the area that you're in, is there places that you know, what does the area look like? And is there something that you're doing locally or have done locally to continue to further this message? I mean, first and, and foremost- I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, bring it on, Marshall, bring okay, it let's on. Go. Let's so, go. First and foremost, back in December, the attorney general declared youth mental health a national crisis. The news media has not picked this up. It has not gotten any attention, but for everything we're talking about in the world, our youth, our youth mental health is considered a national crisis crisis that's emergency yes um and so i mean there's a couple steps to this the the biggest thing that i say in front of every audience and it's the the moment that i was like okay i'm going for it is when i i learned that talking about suicide doesn't make it any more likely that someone will attempt and makes it much more likely that they'll seek help that that right there right so so many people are even afraid just to talk about it to bring it up because even if i bring it up i'm going to put the idea there it's already there from people i've never heard someone say like oh i it's uh, no you you yeah. talking about it isn't causing anything um and it's, it's it's alleviating that that thing for that person when i attempted no one had ever stood up in front of me and talked to me about mental health depression suicide no one ever said hey your life might get here no one ever said hey your brain can lie to you you don't have to believe everything you think uh nobody ever said you might get to a day where you feel like you don't want to be alive but here's how you're gonna get help. Here's the hope. Here are thousands of other people that have been there. They've gotten through it too. And, and here are the resources you're gonna reach out to. So first and foremost, 
talk about it. Just be brave enough to talk about it. When it comes up, when there's a new Netflix show, heaven forbid another celebrity dies, because that seems the only time that we are willing to talk about it. But use that as a moment to ask the people in your life, have you ever felt this way? Do you know anyone who's felt this way? Have a real conversation about it. So that number one, be a sphere of influence, just mm. in the people around you. Um, two, you go out and, and be a light to other people. Like when we talk about how do we impact the people around us? Well, first you gotta go out of your house. Sorry, you gotta leave, you gotta leave and be in a community, whatever that yeah. means. It's a sports team, a church, a community center, big brothers, big sisters, something out into the world um, where you're relating to people and supporting them. And maybe that's the person who cuts your hair every month. And maybe that's yeah. the cashier at the grocery store. Um, yeah. But building those relationships so that you can. And, and truthfully, yeah. one of the best gifts you can give someone who's feeling suicidal is just to listen. Just to God say, is. gosh, that's so hard. I'm yeah. so sorry you're going through that. And just be there for people. Like, like truthfully, like it yeah. sounds very simple, but that that is how all of this starts a willingness to talking about it, building relationships and supporting people. And then, and then just, just being a part of their yeah. lives and being an influence yeah. when they need you the most. God, Sam, I know that you're doing an excellent job yourself, but I just want to put you on the tallest buildings I can. I want you just to preach your message, dude. Like you're so made by God for this mission. I just think it's every time I hear you speak, follow you in on, so following you on social media, especially dude, like your content is so good. Now, as somebody, myself who has personal experience with attempted suicide right as soon as i tried it i couldn't reverse it and i had instant regret now obviously and luckily i survived god had a big mission for me and so i know a lot of people who attempt their life they they don't really want to die they just don't want to be the person that they are right now anymore and so you touched on a couple of things right there and you're absolutely right people are absolutely unwilling to talk about it because they think that, oh my God, if I talk about it, it's going to make it more prevalent, which you just said like, no, that, that's not true. And both of us coming from our experience can say like, yo, like, no, looking back now and knowing what I know now, if somebody had actually addressed it with me and, and allowed me the space and given me the permission to have those thoughts, I could have worked through it. And so now let's go back to you because social media has become a mainstay of how you have used your light to, to I mean, how you spread your light. Now I want to get into the take, I want to go back to the story here in just a second of how this all came to be. But before we do, there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are either going through it, which if you guys are going through it, reach out to me, reach out to Sam directly. We'll get you a number. We can get you help. doesn't matter if I'm on the phone with you all night or if there's a resource right in your community, one of us will find that. We have an answer for you. I love the hashtag that you use and I've, I've jacked it. I, I jacked it from you. I don't know. I'm sure you got it from somewhere too, but choose to stay. And I really mean that. When I see somebody that tells me their story, they're like, oh, yeah, I tried that too. The first thing, it's just natural. I'm glad you're still here, bro. And so I really like that you say that. Now, for the viewers and listeners, Sam, tuning in, they love this message because there are kind of people. But social media has proven one thing. It's proven that there's a lot of people out there who are not ready to hear this message. And as a matter of fact, you get an incredible amount of hate, like hate for what you do in the light that you are. So I want to tell the story of how, what happened in, in just a second. But before we dive into, I really want to give our viewers the context of like, you have this feeling in your heart to go spread a message. And it has not been easy. It has not been received like open arms. So tell us a little bit about the experience and how do you deal with it? And if somebody wants to share the message, what are some tips they can use to process that and still move through the dark, even though it's really, really hard? Absolutely. Uh, 
Gosh, I mean, when I started, so I first started speaking back in 2016, um, we had, and it took, it took a bit to get going, but we had places that would not let us pay to rent their space to host a suicide prevention event. Like, hi, we would like to give you $3,000 to use your room. No, you're going to talk about suicide. No. I mean, we had doors slammed in our faces, especially churches. Churches were one of the hardest places originally for us to get into. Um, absolutely not. They, they, doors slammed in our face as, as far as social media oh every single day I get hate um to be honest a lot of it is from men who just yeah. have their own mental health issues you know right suck it up tough up stop being a wuss whatever I mean right. obviously a lot more explicit than that um that's probably number one which is sad and very indicative of of our culture truthfully um and and just our our inability to accept that mental illness or, or mental health is just a part of life. It's just a part of life. And I don't know why men feel the need to fight against it so hard. Um, I, I wish that I understood that better because I could help them better. Um, yes. But first and foremost, just, just, you know, talking about it, but it has been a huge uphill climb. I, I couldn't get my book published. Um, I can't tell you how many publishers were like, no one's going to read a book about suicide. No That's one will. Wild. Um, we are a great writer. We love you. Absolutely not. Write a different book. Uh, eventually, that book took, did come out last year, 2021. At one point in June of last year, it hit the top 200 best-selling books on all of Amazon. So that's a great wow. moment. That's a great moment. I, I had a TikTok video that did really well, and a lot of people went and bought the book. And so wow. that was a great moment to just be like, at the end of the day, there's just got to be something inside you that, that, that knows that you're just going to go for it. Right. And yeah. I've taken months off, you know, I've taken three to six months off before it has not been easy, but it's just little steps. And you know, the door closes and you look for the next door and the door closes right. and you look for the next door and you just keep trying and keep plugging along. And uh, eventually great things. Um, they're going to happen. They just are going to yeah. happen. It's a lot of work, Dude, but I love that. And I love you for just the mission that you're on and what God's put in your heart to stick with it. And I think it's so important for people to understand for our audience that's listened to the Marshall Gill show specifically, it's full of a lot of leaders. It's full of a lot of speakers, entrepreneurs, coach types. And so for the viewers and the why and the listeners, I want to reiterate like what Sam is going over is saying like, dude, a lot of people will stop because they'll test their idea on social media, which is really just vanity for the most part anyways. And it's like, um, which it can still be used for good, but it's like, we get this feedback and then we, reinforce in our head a story already, which is playing, which is I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Like I, my story doesn't matter. And so we never even try. And so I, I can't, and you know, at the, we record these shows live, this Marshall Gillen show. And so on Facebook, we have live viewers and a lot of the live viewers are saying the same thing. This is such an important topic. I've tried suicide four times. Like this has got to be heard. And so to all of you that are saying that, I know that we all need to make money and we all need to do these things, right? But when we lead with a purpose, when we lead with a story and you guys know that my signature is your message, your message, when we can turn that mess into our message, what Sam is saying is that when you believe it in your heart and you have the desire to go out and make sure that nobody else ever has to experience what you went through as long as you can help it, it literally just starts by every time a door is slammed in your face, you just keep going because we've got to position it in our heart and our mind to like, it is important. Like so me making this video, me writing this book, me doing this blog, me emailing that school to come speak, that youth group, like that is me saving somebody's life. And in a world where a lot of people aren't able, and you can call them what you want, aren't able to try for themselves, 
God is calling leaders like Sam and I and you to step up and hold that space and be enough for them until they can become aware and go, okay, I have a chance. And that's what this whole thing is about. And so Sam, I absolutely love it. Now, the reason again that we're here and one of the things that we relate to so much is our attempts on our life. So let's go back to little Sam. Like in the very beginning, we know that suicide is the end result. It's not necessarily the problem. Now, Montana has the highest suicide rate per capita. And I read a statistic that they said that teen suicide in Montana is up like 53% since 2018, 53%. So what I'm saying is like, what is the, what, 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 what is it that's happening? And how did that happen for Sam? Like, where does that start with you? Suicide being the end result. And how did you get there? And what was that experience? Absolutely. I mean, suicide is the second leading cause of death ages 10 to 24, 10, those are our babies, 10 years old. So if you think that this isn't here, it, it's everywhere. Um, first of all, just to get that out of the way. Uh, I mean, my, my childhood was tough. Was it as horrific as some other people have experienced? No, but there were a ton of setbacks, a ton of challenges. Um, uh, my dad was an alcoholic. As a result of that disease, he just caused a ton of pain in my life. Um, my house was pretty tumultuous. I just didn't know what I was going home to each day. And I was a peacekeeper, truthfully. Like I, mm. I learned to read the room and do everything I could to keep everybody happy and keep everybody from exploding. Um, and I, I held it together. I mean, even through middle school, I had straight A's. I was on the basketball team. My teachers would have had no clue what was going on. My dad left when I was 12. I haven't seen him since. We don't have a relationship. That was actually quite a huge relief. Uh, but when I hit high school, things just fell apart. I, I turned 14. I quit the sports I've been involved in. I hid in video games and food, mm. and I wasn't taking care of my body at all. I, I couldn't focus for the first time in my life, so now I felt stupid. My self-talk was horrendous. I mean, truthfully, every day it was, I don't want to be alive. I hate my life. I used to write on my papers over and over again. I mean, on the inside, I was just screaming for help but I also wasn't talking to anyone. I wasn't telling anyone and no one was talking about it. So I had, I had no clue that what I was yes. experiencing is pretty normal. It's called depression. It has a name. Right. It's out there. One in five people will experience mental illness. One in six will experience depression at some point in their life. Like that, that is huge. I mean, right, you're at Target, you're looking at the six people around you. One out of the six of them are gonna have experienced depression. Yeah, we don't, we don't open that door. We don't, we don't talk about yeah. help and healing yeah. and hope and all of that. And so that's when my suicidal thoughts started. They were very passive, passive meaning I wasn't making a plan. It was just those, I don't want to exist. And most people will admit that at some point in their life, they've had some sort of passive yes. suicidal thought of just like, some for, you know, for religious people, sometimes that's like, Jesus, take me home. You know, I'm ready. This is tough. This is too tough. I'm ready to go anytime. Other people, it's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. What's the point, right? These passive thoughts. Um, they didn't really turn active until I was well into my 20s, into college. I never got help. I, you know, and it wasn't always. It was like everybody's life. There's highs and there's lows. Mm. Um, I started drinking quite a bit, binge drinking through college, because that's what you have to do to have friends. Uh, and following college, 23 is when things really hit rock bottom. Um, and finally, I picked a day. I started making a plan. And that was the first time in my life that it became active and I was very serious um, that, that that was going to be the end. And so you, you, how long is that process take then? Like, you know, for you, 
how did you pick a date and why did you pick it? And leading up to that date, were you scared? Was it with anticipation? Like, what was the feeling leading up to the date? Uh, so it's funny, I actually felt better. And this is pretty common for people who have done this because suddenly my student loans didn't matter if I wasn't going right. to be alive. Didn't matter if I ever got married and had kids. Like the biggest things in my brain, they kind of went away because I was like, mm -hmm. well, it doesn't matter if I'm not here. And it wasn't every day. To me, it was an ultimatum. I was like, I've been fighting this for 10 years. Either I'm going to do this on Christmas Day or never think about it again. And, you know, I, honestly, I picked Christmas Day because it was, in my mind, the most selfless day. I was like, this day is already going to be hard for my family. This will actually make their lives better. And my brain was so twisted and so messed right. up that I, I honestly believed that I was such a burden to them and that they would eventually be much better off without me. Now, that was a huge lie, but that's, that's how the brain gets. That's what mm. suicidal thoughts are like. You're not seeing reality. Right. It's a mental illness, seeing, right. You're not seeing the world as it really is, and, and either was I. Yeah. And so now you get to the date. How old are you? 23. Yep. Okay. So I was 23 as well. So you're 23 uh, and the day comes, it's Christmas day. And so again, to trigger warning to all of our audience and Sam, obviously share what you will, but if, if you want, if you could just take us through the day and however you would, and then what, what immediately afterwards, I mean, what, what was the pro What was that like? Absolutely. And I won't share anything graphic for anybody cool. listening. Um, but yeah, so I woke up that day, I had boxed things up, I had written goodbye letters, um, I'd gotten out of the Christmas Day activities, and I was just home by myself. And, and truthfully, it's the closest thing I can ever imagine to what hell is like. The entire day, I was sobbing, I was pacing back and forth, I would pick up the things I'd planned to use, put them back down, I would lay, sob on the bathroom floor, I'd stand back up, pace some more. Should I do this? Should I not? Um, the voices were so accusatory um, and just relentless, truthfully, and attacking my masculinity, right? If you think of a guy who grew up without a dad, like what, what would you use to accuse that guy? And, and for me, it was that. It was, well, you're not even man enough to do this, right? And then in a moment, I didn't know, like truthfully to man up and true masculinity would be to do the right thing, to seek help, right? To take that brave step Amen. to let somebody in. But that's, that's not what I had been taught and that's not what had been projected. So finally, late in the afternoon, I just started counting backwards from 10. I looked in the mirror, I count 10, nine, somewhere about eight. I remember seeing really happy moments of my family and friends, seven, six, somewhere about five, I saw flashes of like, bullying and, and the abuse that I experienced. And then finally about three, it was just this question that broke through and it, it wasn't an audible voice or anything like that. It was just this feeling of like, have you really given life everything you've got? Right? Mm, have you geez. really given life everything you've got? Because if you have, it's okay, you can give up. But I, I'm not sure that you have. I'm not sure that you truly have tried to go after the things you want wow. to change the things about yourself that you don't like to fix. I think you've been hiding and I think you've been feeling sorry for yourself. Um, so I, I, in the bravest moment of my whole life, I stood up, I grabbed the things that I'd had um, with me. I got in the car, I started driving. Um, finally, late in the evening, I watched the clock tick by 11.58, 11.59 midnight. I had made it and I decided to stay. Let's go, bro. That so is, um... I, um, I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning, emotional stability somewhat restored. 
And then it's been a 10 year process of trying to create a life that I love and enjoy being alive. Dude, I am so glad you're here. And I, and I just want to pause real quick. You take a drink of water, give yourself a little break, but like, again, anybody that's watching or listening to this episode one, you know how powerful that last two and three minutes was just the, just the fact that somebody's willing to be like, you know what, this is what I experienced on the day of it to like, literally be like, this is what's up. We have one of our viewers. who's literally, he's going, I experienced the exact same thing in my own, in my own way. You know, I, I did X, Y, and Z. And so I cannot overstate to the audience how important this is. If you guys have followed me anytime, you guys know I'm on a mission to save a billion lives, save a billion lives with the power of vulnerability and storytelling. What Sam is doing, and I hope you realize that too, dude, it's like every time you share something that powerful and that vulnerable, it's, it's life-changing to somebody out there that needs to hear it. So first and foremost, if you're listening and watching this far into the episode, be a friend, tell a friend, you might share it, save a life. Give this video a share, send this out to somebody who may be struggling, but just let's start a conversation about it. And so Sam, now you say you wake up the next day, you're 23 years old, you have a renewed sense of some sort of a well, a, some, a, a more even keltered emotional well-being all of a sudden. Now, is it complete acceptance and knowing this that, that um, you, you may not be stable, but you're fully ready to get stable in life? And does that when the, is that like the start of the whole journey? Or was it still rocky for a few more years? Was there any more thoughts? Did it ever come again? Or was it like, let's go? I, w- I wish my story was light switch, perfectly yeah. healed, ready. Um, that has not been my story. I have never attempted again. I have made a promise to myself that that's off the table, that that, that is never an option again. And my warning side is if my brain ever starts to make a plan, I have to go to therapy. I have to reach out. Mm, I have to take go. a big step. That's my warning sign. And that's all of our brain's warning sign that things aren't right. And maybe we need more help than than what's out there. Um, Before we jump into that question, I just see a question on our comments. If you could play in the minds of those on the edge, what would that be? Ooh, let's go. Good question, Tucker Bearden. Thanks, Tucker. Yeah. And I mentioned this just briefly, but it's this idea that your brain can lie to you or that you don't have to believe everything that your brain thinks right it's like and the best analogy i can come up with is like someone who has anorexia an eating disorder where you you stop eating you know there are reports of these people they're looking in the mirror and they're wasting away this is a deadly thing that they fight and they might be 60 70 pounds and they look in the mirror and they say i am fat Mm. that is truly what their brain sees their brain is so twisted and distorted they're not seeing the world as it really is that's what suicidal thoughts are you you're not seeing that the and feeling the hope and love of everything around you and your brain is actively fighting against you ever thinking that it could get better so number one is just accepting that what you're feeling experiencing isn't reality and that it it can and will get better no matter what your brain says dude that that is so spot on and you know it brings up something for me that uh I got sober 440 days ago at the time of the, this recording. And yeah, right. Thanks, bro. Some people can have a drink and not ruin their life. Not me. And so um, uh, when I, I started off the first like two months, I was going to a weekly meeting and it, there was just this transformational phrase that even though I've been, I've been a coach and a speaker and I've spent, you know, a lot of dollars on personal development. Like I got to it in my first meeting and the thing that they reiterated was this. And you guys may want to write this down. You are not responsible for your first thought. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So what Sam is saying, and if anybody is into personal development and follows Bob Proctor, and if you don't go search Bob Proctor, shifting paradigms, it will change your life in 12 minutes or less. But what we're, what we're, what I'm hearing, you're not responsible for your first thought. And what I'm realizing is, oh yeah, that's because I have a programmed and an unconscious or subconscious response, a paradigm, a story that plays in my head the second Mm -hmm. that I have a certain type of thought. And so when I was going to classes and they, and they were teaching addicts, you're not responsible for your first thought, meaning like you wake up and the first thing you think is I want to use, I want to drink. Okay, cool. Guess what? That's not even your thought. That thought's been around long before you. It's a human thought's going to be long after you. You're not responsible for that thought. And too many times, especially people who are depressed, everybody that's a human, but it's like we take so we, we grab onto that first thought and we be, make it our identity. That's who I am. I'm an alcoholic. It's like, nah, bro, like you have a conditioned response to this trigger, but you're not responsible for that first thought, which means as a human and the beauty that God gave us to be alive is that we get to choose what it is that we want to think and feel. And so, okay, cool. That first thought, like my, like Marshall and Sam are saying, I'm not even responsible for that. That, does, that doesn't belong to me. So what story do I want to live? And then starting to cultivate the things inside of you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that can help you become that person. And so, Sam, I think that that's like so, so spot on what you're sharing with us. Now, go ahead. Did you have something to add? Yeah, that, and that's so intelligent what you just said, Marshall. It's so, it's so right. And it's so applicable to suicidal thoughts, too, because you absolutely can change your brain and the way you talk to yourself. And so for me, my phrase, you can come up with a phrase instead of, I don't want to be alive. My phrase is I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Ooh, let's go. Write that down. Most of what my suicidal thoughts are. I'm overwhelmed. I feel stuck. I feel trapped. I feel, so just work on that change and narrow down whatever that phrase is for you, whether you're battling an addiction or maybe that's suicidal thoughts. I, that, a mantra is a life changer. Get you guys a, a journal. We've talked about this in the Marshall Gillen show a, a bunch. When you wake up in the morning, just write down what you're feeling, get it all out, tell somebody, right? And when you go to night, when you go to bed at night, same thing, write these mantras down, remind yourself. It's again, like you guys can study quantum physics. You guys can study uh, uh, law of attraction, but it all is the same thing. What we focus on is what we get in life. And so Sam, let's take this a step further now because the viewers who've heard my story and I know you've heard my story before, I attempt my life I wake up the next day, I'm alive and I'm grateful to be alive. I, it's the first initial feeling was like, oh my God, I can't believe I made it. Immediately followed by, gee, I'm so worthless. I can't even kill myself, mm-hmm. right? So you talked about it's been a, it's been a journey. So for, the other, for our viewers, and I, I want people to understand, it's like when, when I attempted my life, I wasn't like, oh my God, I got to go share this message. I went another four years before my best friend called me. I ignored his call and then he killed himself a month later. So that's when I was like, gee, if I had answered Dustin's call, I wonder what. And that was the moment when God put on my heart and through a series of things that told me I should be a speaker. So Sam, you, 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 you attempt your life, you wake up the next day. How long do you go? And what is the wake up call when you realize I can't live in guilt and shame anymore? And what caused you to finally be brave enough to say it out loud to somebody else? Mm. You asked such good, such good questions, Marshall. I mean, first and foremost, to anybody who feels stuck or might be feeling suicidal, what's the practical thing that I did? And that was, I decided, I don't know where this came from, came from God, where it came from. Um, I'm going to do one thing every single day that makes my life better or makes the world a better place. And I'm going to take a picture of it. That That is what I decided. Um, and then every time my brain was saying, things will never get better, it starts that 
play, I would look at the photo album and in it were pictures of coffee, you know, friends I'd gone to see coffee with and an organized closet and starting a blog and um, finding those, it truly taught me how to be alive again and how, mm. to, how to find things that I enjoy. And it turns out so many of the things that I did are, are research-based, right? It's like finding new experiences is a great way to feel more alive. Volunteering, giving back is a huge way oh. Absolutely. to find that purpose and find your reason to stay right and i think part of the reason suicide prevention it hasn't it's it's our suicide ratings continue to climb that that's what i'm trying to say is that our message has been don't kill yourself which yeah that's important that's yeah. important but don't kill yourself and find a life that's fully and recklessly alive and don't kill yourself and set those goals, chase those dreams, and meet those people that you want to meet and create this life. Because if you don't take action, and that's the hard part of mental illness is you don't feel like it. You feel stuck. All you want to do is sleep. So you don't feel like doing the things that you want to do. But if you don't ever take those steps, right, then it doesn't get better. Right. Um, so my, it took, for me too, it took a long time. I knew I wanted to help other people. I had no interest in talking to them about this <laughs> zero and some days I still don't like you know I just booked an event for November Sam would you like to get up on November 10th and tell the story of the worst day of your life I don't know I might be tired I might not yeah be yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but I I truthfully being open about it and the social media that I have helps me every single day helps me too it, it, it goes both ways bro I love that share uh, and I think that's absolutely true. Like one of the things that helps hold me accountable is this show, you know, over the years is, is, uh, is having a show like this, like today, for example, um, I'm tomorrow, I'm hosting my first meetup uh, in three years. I'm going to be doing, instead of monthly meetups, I'm doing weekly meetups. We're doing a business mixer. We're doing a men's group. We're doing a women's group. And then we're doing suicide prevention classes the last week of the month, every month. And so um, I'm nervous right? Uh, I'm speaking in my Toastmasters tomorrow, which I'm not necessarily nervous about speaking, but the Toastmasters is so like, they're so robotic and like, so it makes me a little nervous when I go up to speak because I'm not technical, right? Um, and there's a lot of moving parts. Point being, you guys, is that I don't know why, Sam, I've done, this is the episode 108 of this show and I've gone, I've gone live hundreds of times, but I felt so anxious this morning. I felt like I was going to puke. Like mm -hmm. I was getting ready to go live on this thing and I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't know why I feel so anxious this morning. And then I went live, the light came on, I get into my, my warm up, and boom, here we are. And like, I know that I've done 107 of really great episodes, but this is literally one of my very favorites um, ever so far. And so again, to the people out there, it's like, you're not always gonna feel like showing up. But when you, un when you become aware of the gift that is your pain is your purpose or your message, your message or whatever that is. And every single day you can have a purpose of getting up. And I know it sounds so freaking cliche, but it's possible. People who are lying dead on the floor are now standing on stages, traveling the world, writing books, impacting people and saving lives. And so I hear you talking about all this, Sam. Well, these are the practical steps. This is what you got to do. This is how you live recklessly alive. This is what empowers only if somebody had written a book about it, you know, like, I'm yeah. like, dang, dude, like, I wish somebody would tell me how to do that. Right. And that's literally what you've done is you've written a book. It's called recklessly alive. What suicide taught me about God and living life to the fullest. It's right there. And this book has not only saved lives, show it up, hold, hold it up proud. Dude, let's see that cover, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to tell the viewers what they should, where they can get this. Um, 
But this book that you wrote has literally been uh, a key into the doors of people's hearts and minds to change their lives. So tell us about what this journey has been like. You wrote a book, you've been on news outlets and you've been traveling and you're getting booked to speak again and again. What has this been like for you? How does this keep you going every day? And where do you see this brand continuing to grow? So the, the book was one of the hardest pieces of it. Um, I actually was in Africa. I was doing some music missionary work. I took a summer, so 18 months after I attempted suicide, I spent my summer in Africa on a safari, singing in a worship band, playing all over um, the countryside at schools and prisons. And it was one of the best summers of my life. And it changed so fast, right? Life can change so fast. But while I was on that trip, I, was, I told a friend, I was like, I have this dream to write a book. I had never said it out loud. I had no clue what it was going to be about. I, it was just there. I was like, I'm going to write a book. I came home. I sat on my deck. I don't know how to write a book. I opened a blank, <laughs> a blank, opened a blank Word document. I wrote untitled manuscript at the top, and I just started writing. And I thought the book was going to be like funny stories. At the time, I had a blog that was doing kind of okay, and they were just like silly stories. That's what I thought the book was going to be, and people were just going to think, yeah, I'm a comedian, blah, blah, blah. Right. And immediately I sat on that deck for three hours and the story that started coming out was the story of my attempt, the story I had only told two people. And it was in that moment and in that first page came out the words recklessly alive. And I immediately Googled and like nobody had yeah. used that phrase. I couldn't believe it wasn't copywritten. Um, and, and that, that because that was my story. You know, you can't tell the story of Sam Eaton without talking about the worst day of my life. You, you can't, you can't, you can't love me and, um, you know, be an inner circle person in my life unless you're willing to accept that and accept that I, I had a really tough, tough time for a long time. Um, the book did not come out for seven years. I wrote three full versions of it. It was, is hell. Anyone who's written a book, it is, you're just sitting there staring at a blank page for years, sometimes, sometimes years. And part of that is I had to learn how to write, right? You know, like, I'm thankful nobody published that first version of the book because it was, it was trash. And I, honestly, mm. I'm thankful that the pub, I had another publisher reach out. They gave me a contract. We worked together for 14 months. I wrote an entirely new book. At the end of it, they dropped me. They're like, they're the ones who said no one's going to buy it. It's an important book. It should exist, but no one's going to buy it. So I had to start over a third time. A third time I sat down to write this story. But each time the story got yeah. better. It got cleaner. Yes. It got, yes. I got more wise about how to help people with their story. And so finally, um, yeah, seven years of fighting to get that book published. It came out last January. And even then, for four or five months, didn't do great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't do very well. Um, yeah. But uh, well, I, it's it. Well, one of our viewers say is I, I, Tucker, who also wrote a book. It's actually, I have Tucker's book right here. Uh, we're going to have him on soon. It's called uh, The Plate uh, That Broke the World. But Tucker said the same thing. He said, writing a book is like running a marathon that you haven't trained for. I know that I need to write a book. Um, it's going to be called Your Message, Your Message. Uh, and um, it's coming literally by the end of this year. Same thing, though. It's like, I have all the stories. I know what to do. I just haven't sat down and, and done it. But the key to... to growing the movement is taking action. I think we all know that to, to becoming more, to doing more, to helping more people. And so for you to take the action and actually have that done. But what I wanted to highlight about that though, is that, and I'm sure you will agree, Sam, is one, from a faith standpoint, not a religious standpoint necessarily, but from a faith point, is understanding and believing and trusting that whether it's God, the universe, Allah, whatever you see it as, it's like everything's happening for us. Like 
It's always happening for us, always. Even the bad stuff or the darkness, it's all, it's all happening for us. And when I hear Sam tell things like uh, the hate that he gets on social media from men or the two people that told, said no to his book or the people that are saying no to your offers, it's just proof that the world needs what it is that you're offering and that we need to get better at getting it out to people. That's all I hear when people are like, Oh, Marshall, this or that, or even for myself, I'm like, well, you know, this person said they didn't want to come to my mastermind. Like, that's just proof that I need to get better because what I have is going to help these people. I wouldn't be giving it to them. And I think when we start to approach that mindset, I have a book inside of me. I've been told no 10 times, but I, I, I just, I, I believe I have to get this to the world. What, what J.K. Rollins, how many times has she turned down or whatever? 30 plus. Yep. Yeah, 30, 40 times. And she's what, still the only billion dollar author mm -hmm. ever? So point being is that you don't know what you don't know until you start getting around other people that can help create your cause. Now, check this out, Sam. I want to get back to you in one second, but I just love how God works. I was sitting in church yesterday, and again, I'm, I'm looking at the brand they've created, and I have this company called Good Job at Life Today. It's the host. It, Good Job at Life Today is a suicide prevention and addiction recovery organization, and that's what hosts the events. It sponsors our youth group here and all these things. And so I'm, I sit down and I'm looking at the, the building, the event center they've built. And I'm like, I want this someday for a good job at life today. Same mm -hmm. thing. And I'm looking at the band members plan. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, I know people are gonna think I'm weird, but every time I go to church, I see all the, I tell everybody in my mind and heart, I thank them for being there for me that day. I'll start with the, the guy playing drums. And I just look at them. I'm like, you have a whole life. Thank you for being here, bro. Thank mm -hmm. you for that. And so I'm going around, right? And I all of a sudden get to this point where scarcity and doubt sneaks in. And it goes, all these people are volunteers for this amazing thing. Where are you going to find volunteers, Marshall? Nobody's ever going to volunteer. Nobody's going to want to be part of your movement. And I just stopped and I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to give it to God. And I'm like, I, and I don't know why I've never prayed this prayer before, but I'm like, I pray that you just bring the people to me that are meant to help forward my cause and my mission, right? That was two days ago here, or that was yesterday. Here I am on this live already. And one of my good friends, Tucker, who is such an incredible speaker, he's attempted four different times. Uh, and he has an incredible story that is super unbelievable and heart-wrenching. And he's like, yo, bro, I'll just move to Montana and I'll help you do, do this cause with the suicide prevention classes. And so again, I know we have these doubts and fears to our listeners, but there's proof time and time again that when you show up, when you give up your, when you give up control of everything that you think you want and you live from a place in your heart and in your stomach that tells you this is what I'm meant to do. I know everything's coming against me that just proves that I need to keep going. Like Sam is a living, breathing proof that no matter what you've gone through or how much doubt you're telling yourself, there is something inside of you that is so great and so powerful, you can literally change and save lives. And Sam, it's just like to have you on here and sharing this message with us, it's just such an honor to me. It's such an honor to all of our people. And so let me get down to some practical things real quick. I, I, I don't want to take up all of your time today. I know you got things to do, but let's talk about a little bit about what we're going to find in the book. Because what's in the book has now become how you are living your life. I mean, it's like a manuscript of the way that you're showing up every day almost. Like these are the things I think, the way that I believe, and these are the things that continue to get me out of the lulls because I'm human. And no matter what, there's always going to be ups and downs. That's the world of duality that we live in. So Sam, just a little bit, again, tell us where we can get the book and what is it that we're going to learn inside of the book besides just your story? Absolutely. So the book is Recklessly Alive by Sam Eaton on Amazon. The first chapter of the book is 
leading up to the attempt, it's in that mindset of I'm, I've made this, it's I finally made this decision, I'm going to pick this day. Then it jumps back and it, it walks through stories of my childhood, stories that tell you how, how does a person get there? You know, how, how does this all, how does your mind get twisted and your mind gets sick in this way? The attempt story happens right in the middle of the book. And then the entire second half of the book is uh, things I would have missed and stories and lessons that I've learned since. And when we talk about storytelling, that's what my book is. It's mostly storytelling with just little nuggets of hope and little nuggets of things that I've learned along the way, things like therapy. Um, I, it's a story of me running my first marathon, which was horrible and so hard because I'd always told myself I wasn't an athlete. Um, it's the story of me going to Africa eight, 18 months after that. It's a story of losing some of my best friends. You know, it's yes. a story of heartbreak, losing a relationship that was really important to me and, and how that contributed. Um, and, and uh, you know, the story, the end, well, spoiler alert, is then starting to use it this starting to you know it's 28 and i'm like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna yes it's us filming the first video and so the m people have said one of the best compliments is that the book goes super fast and it reads super quick um and i love that and and it's like me just sitting down at a coffee shop and just telling you stories of my life yeah. and, and trying you know it's funny too it's a funny book there's lots of humor in it because it's a serious topic um, but I, I just couldn't be more proud that this book is out there. Yeah, I do. I think I, bro, same. Yeah, I know you're a grown ass man, but like, I'm proud of you too, man. Like, um, again, I just am so moved and inspired by what it is that you've created. Now, as we move on from the book, it's like the book is changing lives. You're traveling and being a speaker, but your everyday job right now and what got us into this is teaching. So just real quick, what grades do you teach? So yeah, this is my 12th year of teaching. I've jumped around, I've taught high school, I've taught elementary, I moved to middle school this year um, because I love kids and I yes. love young people. And, and even without the suicidal stuff, like it, were the, it was the teachers who truly yes. saved me and, and were my suicide prevention lifelines. You know, they I made me feel that. included and seen and loved. And that's what I wanted to give back. And you know, yes. teaching taught me so much about speaking and preparing a message you know my speech is it's just an hour lesson you know and i've yeah. taught i've taught thousands of that. yeah 100 um, and, and as we talk about god i felt really i've like held on to this teaching career you've known me for a long yeah. time yeah thinking about taking this leap i actually had applied to take a leave right when COVID happened and then the world shut down and obviously i wasn't speaking um, and it, it's a terrifying step to leave, um, to leave this steady job, this steady income. It's supposed uh, to be scary. Uh, I, I am, I am pretty scared. I don't have a yeah. ton of things lined up. Um, yeah. but I also, I, I just, I just know it's right. You know, yeah. at the end of yeah. the day, I just know that, that it might be scary, but it's the next, it's the next right thing for me. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows, maybe I'll go back to it someday. Um, I still right. will always love kids and I still will always teach. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's another chapter closing to, to well, be. Well, 100, 100%. And I love that you just were so vulnerable and shared that with us because I think a lot of people will hear people on podcasts or authors or speakers or people having success and they'll just go, oh, well, that person has it all figured out. Well, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how much success you have, how many people you impact. As a human being, you are going to wake up from day to day and you're you're going to be like this. 
like it's a frequency. If you guys, that, that's all cells are. We're just, we're just 70 trillion cells vibrating at a frequency. Okay. It's just energy. And so literally that's why we feel up and down and Sam for you to, to admit that again, you guys, every time that you, the listener, the viewer shares these kinds of stories, you're creating and holding a space for somebody else to come into and giving them permission to be like, bro, you don't, it's okay to not be okay all the time. You don't always have to have it all figured out. Sam, I would be, uh, you know, remiss if I didn't say, dude, like you got to come out to the speaker mastermind in June, bro. Like I, I can help you in a weekend. Uh, and there's going to be some really powerful people out there. I'd love for you to meet, but as we continue to talk, I definitely want to make sure I get you on one of my stages this year, because like I said, I'm going to be hosting a monthly suicide prevention workshop in class. Uh, and we can talk about in the future about maybe having you come out and do something like that. Uh, or maybe we even put on an event together someday, who knows? But the point being is unless we have these conversations, you guys, we never know what, what is possible. I will say this, we have a nine and 13 year old, two boys and God bless all of you middle school teachers, I don't know how you do it, all right? Um, no, I love our boys. They're amazing. But middle school kids are a lot of work. And this is what I want to touch on before we get off this episode is what – and this is something that I'm – listen, to all my viewers, uh, I found the woman I was supposed to be with like eight months, nine, I guess nine months ago now. Uh, and I've become a basically a father to two – a nine-year-old and 13-year-old whose father um, passed away he, of drugs and alcohol uh, a few years back. And so – you know, with my, me having a stepdad that was a monster, it's like God is, it's also perfect. But Amen. the point being, Sam, is I'm becoming uber, I mean, I'm becoming so much more aware to what most people are living like in today's society, which is as a parent, as single parents, uh, a, a parent, a, a parent where one's an addict, maybe another one's not, or two addicts and the kid is suffering. Point being is that I, I think that for most of my life, I took for granted as I was building this brand and why I crashed and burned is because I was so unrelatable to the people that actually needed me. I didn't have a kid. I didn't have really like a, a real spouse. I was just always be able to fly by the seat of my pants. I wanted to live the influencer life, but talk about something that was community-based. And I didn't know until now there was no relation. Now I'm going to practices and I'm at games in Montana, again, highest suicide rate per capita. Like I'm uber aware of how many parents are struggling and not only that how many kids then are being programmed subconsciously who are growing up struggling and their parents don't know what to, to do like mm -hmm. they don't know how to help and so what as a teacher can you just open up a little bit about like how serious is mental illness inside of schools and outside of that how many parents are actually struggling and what is the solution dude is it holding parenting classes locally is it kids camps like what is it that we can start to do to turn the tide as educators, as community leaders, bro? So the, the recent statistics are 40% of our youth are struggling with their mental health right now. Four out of 10. So we, as I said earlier, it's a national emergency. No one has all of the answers. I mean, first and foremost, we need to increase funding for everything, for therapy, uh, for teaching, for education, like you, you have to put your money where your mouth is as a government and as a local community. And, and if that's not happening in your community, you need to speak up. You need to be calling those people. You need to be an advocate for mental health services because right now it, it's hard. We just don't have enough. So we have to change things on a much bigger scale and we need people to take action for that. The smaller scale, what do you do for you and your family? I mean, first and foremost, I, I think the most important thing is just quality time, just quality time, giving them that yes. space and, and that listening ear and just put your phone away, 
go for a walk, get interested in the things that they're interested. You might not love Minecraft, but guess what? Go play Minecraft with them. And, and that's when they're going to start to open up. And, and obviously kids get into this place and they, they shut you out. And what do you do when they shut you out? I mean, you also need a community. You need yes. adults around your kids that are not you. So whether you're going to find that as a church or a mentorship program or sports, a lot of coaches are that or clubs, get your kids involved in things where they are around good role models and people who are going to share that. And then finally, you have to be involved in what's going on in their social media because that is feeding what they believe about themselves in the world a thousand times more than what they're yes. hearing from you. If you compare yes. the hours they're on TikTok to the hours you are talking to them about the real world, they're, they're not even hearing anything you have to say about how to live. So it might feel intrusive. You have to know. And you need to have a conversation with your kids about who they're following and why. And how is that uh, helping their life or is that hurting their life? And, and you need to be that role model too of I'm going to be responsible on social media. I'm going to follow people who are good for my mental health. And I'm going to make sure my kid is following people on, on social media that's good for their mental health. Dude, 100%. Um, so here in my local community, uh, Kalispell, Montana, we have the biggest middle school in all of Montana. One of the biggest middle schools in the nation just because it's so – isolated that all the kids go to that one school you know point being though is that uh, there's a local teacher there that i met uh his name is noah kauser he's a pe teacher he's been teaching it for a long time but he has a couple viral videos online about suicide he's been a very big uh suicide ad prevention advocate in this community long before i showed up and just this uh i just pulled this out of my little fanny pack i, I just remembered that it's from a they, they just hosted this thing in the community uh, noah and uh, a principal another teacher um, called the Character Conference, Fighting for Our Lives in the Age of Depression, su uh, Loneliness, Suicide, uh, yeah, and Suicide. And so um, a couple things from the takeaway is that Noah's not a speaker, and the people that he had weren't speakers, but they did great. They, they shared their story, right? There was no really money raised from the event um, or anything really done for it. Okay, so what I know now as a professional is I'm going, well, there is a need for this because I walked into that arena, Sam, there's 400 people, parents in Montana, like not in a dickhead way, but like in like Hick, Redneck, Montana, people of all demographics, shapes, sizes, they are becoming, they, it's becoming aware of how important this message is. 400 people fill this arena for the character conference and they, and this is not a slight to know, I love them. They don't even know what they're doing. Like, like, like that's what I'm saying. But the point of it is, is you can't be scared. They crushed it. Sam, if you could have seen how big of an impact they made that night with the character conference, it's, it's outstanding. So this message I want to share real quick is twofold. One, if you're listening to this, just get started doing something. Absolutely. Just get, if you're a leader, just get like, bro, I don't know if you're going to be at my first meetup tomorrow in the middle of nowhere, Montana, where, there, where this thing does never even happens. I don't know, but I got to start. Sam didn't know what he was going to do or he was going to lead. He just got started. And then the second thing I want to bring up is something that you just made me think which made me think of this event and noah and the teachers and they're pushing in the middle school hashtag uh faces not phones so with when noah sees somebody in the school because he's a pe teacher he's always like he's always like always on them faces not phones look up put your phone down look at my face you know and so this is something and it was before way before the the conference but something that just seemed natural to me as a personal development coach is you know we and my my girlfriend was definitely doing it before i showed up but um implementing times that the kids can have be on their phones that they can be on technology it means being a parent setting the tough guidelines like every time 
I tell my nine-year-old it's time to get off of VR, even though he's not on it very long, like he, he throws a fit, but he's also nine. So it's my job as a father and as a man to hold that space for him, but with discipline and, and intention and what it means, but without yelling, without like, and it's a hard, it's tough. Parenting is tough. Like, okay. So it's easy to do the things like yell at your kids. It's easy to just let them go be in the room on video games and social media. So you can have you time. Like I get it. That's easy. But when your kid is the one that is dealing with the mental health issues, if it was your kid that took their life, all of a sudden now it becomes way more important. And I've traveled the world too. See, I'm speaking about your message, your message. And I put, I'll be standing in rooms with people making multiple millions of dollars. And, I, and I, the first question I'll ask, how many of you in this room have ever thought about hurting yourself? And people come up to me all the time at people who are insanely wealthy. Mar Marshall, I thought about taking my life last night in the hotel room, actually. Marshall, I was doing this and that. And so what I'm saying is that it's not about me. It's not about Sam. It's so much bigger than all of that. But when you're willing to start this conversation, you guys, you're going to save lives and it, it, it needs to be done. And so, you know, I just love to highlight all the people out there doing stuff. Sam, I want to highlight you and sing you from the, the, the roof. And um, this is what I'm going to do uh, to anybody that sees this video right now. Uh, if you text this number, um, if you screenshot me and Sam, actually, Sam, grab your book and hold it up real quick. Screenshot this right now. And the first five people that that text me that screenshot, I'm going to buy you Sam's book and I'm going to send it to you, okay? So um, let's get this message out there. Uh, let's do that. Uh, and uh, if you guys are watching and listening and you want to donate some of Sam's books, dude, buy some of the books and, and let Sam give them away to, to people that are at the school. I mean, there's so many things you can do. There's people out there that are forwarding this mission. If it's not going to be you, that's completely okay. Then at least make your money matter. Like my uh, mentor Cole Hatter says, make money matter, right? Let's take that money. Let's give it and put it into use. I like to think myself, God, Sam is a steward of God's money. Because I know if God gives you and I money, that we're going to do God's work with it. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It's just what has been put in my heart and the same with yours. And so the biggest thing, like Sam said in this episode, we need more teachers. We need more leaders. We need more education. We need more awareness. And with all of your help, we can remind people that they're not alone, that they need to choose to stay. And so uh, my queen is like, ah, oh, getting ready to leave. She's like, I'm leaving, baby. I love you, baby. Love you. I have the best job in the world. And so Sam, before we end this episode, Again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you've shared. Is there a last message that you want to share with the audience? Is there something else you want to say? Is there something on your heart that you're being called and led to share before we go? Truthfully, uh, as you talk about, you know, our mission partly has been suicide. I 100% believe that everybody has something, whether that is sex trafficking or drugs and addiction, whatever the needs are in your community where you are, I know there's something in you that's like, I want to help with this. And just like you and I, Marshall, have said in this episode, you don't, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Just take one little baby step towards, I'm going to look up one organization that deals with sex trafficking and I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get on their email list, right? Yes. Same thing. If suicide prevention is calling out to you, I'm going to follow Sam at Recklessly Alive. I'm going to follow Marshall and know what he's doing on suicide prevention. I'm going to take these little steps and get involved with people who are already doing this work and who, who can support me and we can create this community together because that's what it takes. As we said, there's a, a million no's out in the world and we got to just create some yeses and save some lives and, and just live out our purpose. Live out that Recklessly Alive life, man. Live it out. Bro, let's go. Sam, dude, you're getting me fired up. Dude. We got to do an event together. We're going to get some uh, gangsters together. Um, 
yeah, I, I, uh, God has just continued to download stuff into my heart and my mind, uh, the more that I connect with people. So Sam, thank you so much, dude. You're, you're, you, 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 this episode for me, everybody knows like I'm the ultimate hacker. So when I don't know something or how to do something, I just find and link up with people who are doing that at a very high level. And so to you, Sam, as I continue to forward this mission, you know, I have been looking through the wrong lens of an unhealed trauma, my entire speaking career which was taught me I need to make a lot of money to be secure, to be safe, right? Mm -hmm. And when I made a lot of money, I found no, no safety and security. And so as I've crumbled and rebuilt myself, I want to talk more about attempted suicide, but I don't know how to. And just this one simple episode for one hour, getting to watch you, to, to see how you're doing it. Because you know I know language, I know how all the things work, but to hear you tell your story, to how simple it really is to bring awareness, like, bro, like you changed me just from this one episode. And so I can't tell you, like, honest from the bottom of my heart, thank you for making me a better speaker, a better man, a better leader. I'm stoked to link up more with you guys, uh, with you more. You guys, if you haven't started following Sam again, go to at Recklessly Alive on Instagram, on Facebook. You guys can find him. Go buy his book. If you want a book and if you want a copy, screenshot this again, text it to the number 406-510-2474. If you're a podcast listener, obviously you can't screenshot it. So screenshot the little thing that you're listening to. And if you're one of the first five people, text 406 510 2474. I'll send you the book for absolutely free. Sam, I can't thank you enough for coming on, dude. Uh, and I hope to talk to you with you soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Marshall. Have a good one, brother. And again, you guys, I love what Sam touched on. And I will end the episode with this. My mentor, Cole Hatter, taught me how to make money matter. What he said was, if you need a million dollars to live your dream life, how can you then go out, make $2 million, give a million of it away to a cause you believe in and keep a million for yourself? And that's what we're really talking about when we talk about make money matter. Uh, I was in a mastermind a few years ago and uh, uh, there was a billionaire, Naveen Jain, sitting in the room and he's talking about these insanely complex problems of humanity that he's gonna solve. And we're like, how do you make it sound so simple? And he told us something that changed my life and it might change your life forever. So let's end the episode with this. What Naveen Jain told me was whatever problem in the world that you want to solve, create a business out of it or create a business out of the solution. Okay, so whatever problem in the world you want to solve, create a business out of the solution. So what I did was I took Naveen Jain's advice and I took Cole Hatter's advice, make my money matter, a four how do I create a four purpose business, which means like not a nonprofit, because nothing gets nonprofits, but they're super nonprofitable. Okay. So how do I create a for purpose business? And I take that money and I give it to something that matters to me, right? Something like the Naveen Jane said. And so what we're doing with good job at life today is good job at life today is a 100% for purpose business, which means that every time that I speak on stage and get paid to speak on stage, every time that we're raising money through our events, good job at life today, a weekly event series we're doing like every single time that good job at life today makes money, which is the chief aim of the business, a hundred percent of the net profits get donated to somebody that's in need, underprivileged, underserved, but with moms, with a big focus on single moms that need help with children in this community. And so the reason I tell you that is because this is simple to do. I have this business that's called Good Job at Life Today, and I use that business to forward my mission. Now I could keep some of that money. I'm not telling you, you have to give 100% of it away. But what I'm saying is you can create a business that gives money to a cause. Now I've created Good Job at Life Today as a 100% for a purpose business, but then people go, well, Marshall, how do you make money? Because you guys, I have a, another company called Top Paid Speaker and Top Paid Speaker teaches speakers how to monetize their story, how to make more money in their business so they can create a bigger impact and they can create a bigger brand. And so for people who are wondering, well, Marshall, how can you so selfish, selflessly give away? 
It's because I learned from people who are smarter than me and were doing it, but I learned how to create a business. Good job at life today. And then there's going to be certain leaders that are watching me do what I do in the community, watching me help people, watching the show. And they're going to go, Marshall, how is it that you do what you're doing? And I'll be like, oh, well, I have this little company called Top Paid Speaker. You should come check it out and I'll teach you exactly how to do it. And so for the viewers that are listening, I just wanted to give you full transparency. Like that's how it works. I have this business that gives away all the money. And because I'm making a, a difference and leading with a cause that's important to me, one is I'm getting what I give, right? Which the Bible, even, even I'm not a religious man or a theologian, but the Bible even says, give and it will be given, you know, in good measure, pressed down and spilling over, okay? And so the law of attraction, the universal laws, they all work the same. We give what we, we get back what we give out. And so I know that when I give from my heart and lead with a cause, I'm gonna get back plenty. And so again, if you wanna know how to get involved, just shoot me a text. I'll tell you how you can help donate to Good Job at Life today. We're gonna to be tracking all the sale, all the donation exactly so you can see online where the money's going. I'm very, very excited about this event series. I'm very excited about the youth summer camps we got coming up. So reach out, be part of the show. Anyways, make sure you subscribe to the Marshall Gillen Show. <sighs> this is the dumbest job alive. I can't believe I get to do it. I'm so blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart. Remember, you are not alone, not anywhere in your life, not in your health, not in your business, not in your finances, not in your head, not in your heart. Reach out to me. I hold space for you. I love you. See you guys soon.